UX Podcast is funded by me and Per, together with contributions we get from you, our listeners. If you'd like to contribute, you can do so financially, but also as a volunteer. We'd love your help to make sure we get our transcripts ready and published for each show in good time. So raise your hand and help us by emailing uxpodcast at uxpodcast.com. UX Podcast episode 230. I'm James Roy Lawson. And I'm Pat Axbom. And this is UX Podcast, balancing business technology and people every other Friday since 2011. With listeners in 192 countries around the world, from South Africa to Luxembourg. Sara Ehrmann is a digital marketing consultant passionate about social psychology and business development and highly motivated by entrepreneurial spirit and culture. And in recent years... Sarah has been focusing on driving traffic and sales mainly from social media by setting up workflows within hundreds of organizations who are aspiring to use digital as their main marketing channel. And she also designs and teaches courses in digital tactics, social media, uh, and influencer marketing. And she's a content marketing specialist and advises on newsletter tactics. (laughs) And this keeps going on and on. She's a superwoman. Um, And we were curious to learn more about something we'd heard called growth marketing. And we thought Sarah would be a really good choice of a person to talk to. So Sarah, I think I met you in 2011 uh, on an island for uh, IT geek nerds. uh, And four years later, you were the social media master of Sweden. Uh, which is just insane to see uh, that how you grew into that person that everybody was talking about. You need to speak to Sara because you need to fix your IT solutions. The thing is, I've never exactly understood what it is you do. (laughs) (laughs) Just like everyone else. But everybody obviously needs what you do. Yes. So just give a brief description. What do you tell clients that you can help them with? You design workflows right like the sites and that's what I do with communication trying to map out what kind of touch points they have with their clients and how to get the clients more engaged with what they do Mm. but you use the term journey map for example I don't not to the clients because Mm. my my clients are marketers and they don't are not familiar with that word Mm. so maybe communication flows Mm. but not exactly like that either. But to me, it sounds very similar to what we do when yes. we map out how a person moves between the different touch points of a company. Yes. It's quite awesome. similar. So the, the, the phrase that everyone seems to be bounding around is growth marketer. Yes. So what, what makes you a growth marketer? I don't know. I think yeah, that's, um, that's an expression who's come up with the last year, maybe. Uh, but is I've it so new? Okay. Yeah, I think it's quite new because mm. because before we call it growth hacking. Ah. Uh, so it's uh, and what is growth hacking? Growth hacking was to like find out easy ways to get interactions from people that you could like build upon to build growth, right? Mm. But growth marketing, I think, it's more of looking at it more broader perspective. Uh, looking at how can we use the data that the clients generate uh, to get uh, more creative, like in a broader perspective and mm. also build more brands than just to focus on like how to drive conversions. Conversions is the main thing when you're working with um, e 
e-commerce or or detail or what do you call it um yeah e-commerce um what are the other things are then you would be focusing on within conversion um but i think e-commerce had like been the role model for every company mm. it's not it doesn't matter if it's like public sector or if it's like big brands they are all fo been focusing on conversion just because um they realize that it's with the digital uh, it's more easy to to drive sales uh, but uh, i also think the second thing is um they, they want to build brand but what i think we're moving into now is looking into all of the other touch points as mentioned uh, how do we activate uh, our customers while in between the branding and the mm. awareness phase and the conversion phase because that's that's what the challenge really is now oh yeah of course because conversion would be the i suppose if you looked at it as a funnel mm -hmm. then that is the very closing stage of it where you've got several parts of the process before that yeah mm, right. so what type of research do you do then what is the research like process like we all have different channels to communicate. Mm. Uh, we have digital channels, we have like in-store channels or other kind of touch points. And um, it's more about looking at what kind of interactions can we get from each channel and what do people do? What do people like? For how long do they watch a video or uh, do they click on this picture or something? So it's everything before going into the conversion. I'm thinking about how how do you learn as much as possible about the people you are as you are the clients or the customers mm -hmm. are there interviews being done are there surveys being done how do you m make sure that that flow that you map out how do you make sure that it's something that is true to reality um i think it you, you test stuff mm. you, you design stuff and you come up with stereotypes mm -hmm. just as maybe you do as well mm. in your work and you create the messaging you create mm. images uh, in the way you mm. that you think that it would map their personality mm. or something like that. Yeah. Uh, and then you go and look at the channels. What kind of functionality do we have here? Uh, is it in-store uh, in the physical world or is it, um, for example, in social media or Google AdWords? And you see, uh, and you go out and test, to will people click on this? Or is this picture better than this picture? Or how long will they watch this movie? Is it confirming what we think? about the customers or so it's more of a like testing and learning and then build your tactical and strategies mm. uh, upon that what do you think the clients have the hardest time with doing that you tell them to do maybe be be brave and test up and excluding people uh mm -hmm. like excluding because they people. excluding people excluding like being more specific with their messaging uh, since in like today's world and today's communication our attention span is really really short uh, and you don't have as much time and we need to be more personal and have really specific messaging like the generic messaging we've seen before mm. isn't really working so mm. then it means that they need to exclude uh like certain customer right so, f so focusing on so, so narrowing your your target audience rather than i suppose excluding in rather than deciding the door rather than deciding for everybody yeah. you're deciding who you're deciding for mm. yes yeah. Yeah. and even though you can have a big target audience yeah. you need to think about like what's the one person mm. we want to target mm. like what will be the messaging mm. and i think that's the hardest thing that the clients like have the challenge they have right understanding that it's often easier if you th if you're thinking about a person you're writing for for example it's much easier to write and then the content becomes better whereas if you're trying to write for everybody at the same time yeah. 
sense. It really doesn't work. Yeah, but of course the, the organization yeah. itself is going to be really, really wanted to reach right. everyone because that's yeah. how you maximize. Yeah. Yeah. And even though they say yeah. that they're thinking that in these terms, mm. but they, they really don't. And they li to change the perspective, uh, really focusing on the customer, I think that's the biggest challenge. Yeah. I can imagine, yeah, it must be challenging when you have, if you're using terms like growth hacking and growth marketers, mm -hmm. and they think that, well, you grow by make, reaching out to more, mm -hmm. broader, wider, um, more groups of people, mm -hmm. then you're saying to them, well, no, actually to grow, you're narrowing. Yes, <laughs> to feel people, to, to make them feel targeted. And mm -hmm. you can see so many, especially new brands who's doing this really well, like saying, this is, we're, we're trying to reach this action, uh, youth jumping out of airplanes uh, but we're actually targeting men in their 40 40s yeah. maybe uh, and you can see like that they are growing but they are like the m their messagings are really specific yeah so what types of industries do you prefer working with oh because you seem to be working with everyone yes uh these days i mm. do uh so you're not being specific <laughs> <laughs> I'm, exactly but i think i'm being spe specific in the way i work uh mm -hmm. and the way um i work with the clients and the ideas that they have for what they are trying to achieve that's how i'm being specific i work with like wine importers where the main goal is to work with the algorithms of swedish systembolaget that's a really different mm. kind of ecosystem yeah, but also the, the the government off license uh, yeah. in but it could also be like the motocross community have you heard about that motorcycles i've, I've seen so you posting on instagram about yes. motocross bikes and things but, but, but like everyone has the same challenge today and it's like changing their organizations i think and changing mm. their perspective because uh, like we're going from this growth hacking world mm. where numbers are really important mm. and then we no need to look at okay how do we build brands and mm. loyalty i think that's a really big challenge that companies have these days because the other channels in my world have like run out they're not effective anymore and it gets really costly and the same thing we don't watch tv anymore so what will be the replacement for that and people also say we don't really believe in ads mm. anymore mm. Mm. ads could like harm your uh, brand like mm. your brand and your trust mm. so it's a uh, like everyone has this challenge and i think the um the solution i've seen like in all companies is how people talk to each other <laughs> in the marketing teams interesting it really does sound like you are working with the industries that the rest of us aren't working with because I think both you and I, James, we've worked with big companies, digitized companies, that there's a clear benefit to going digital. Whereas it sounds like you're actually approaching the industries who are, who are really struggling with how do we even think about digital in the work we do. Oh yeah, com industries yeah. where maybe mm. traditionally you said the channels mm. would have mm. been the, the the print media, mm. um, the, the the yeah the the old school mm. um, channels that you'd use. Yeah. yeah. Well, or information. Mm. I, I mean, I've done a lot of work with like corporate sites and mm. and um, informational based mm. sites. Yeah. Um, which um, which doesn't no, doesn't normally have that connection to to marketing in the same. Mm. It's so interesting to to join this podcast because. I never get to talk to people like you in my work. I know that you're there, <laughs> but I just try to do like yeah. everything else before mm. they come to the sites or mm. to the products yeah. or to the services. Mm. Uh, and I know it's like it connects so well because what I do will make your work more easy, yeah. mm. right? Because if people know mm. more about the products before they're going in and what mm. to expect from the products, mm. it would be much 
he's here. And, and it, it's the same with the way around that. If we've if we've done a good job of making of understanding how you know, how users or customers um, use what we design mm. and, and and test that it works to actually do what they need, yeah. then that then makes the whole chain work. Mm. So how, how often do you use the insights that marketers have? Because since I know a lot of, I know so many things about the customers and because I use other platforms, I use Facebook and Google mm. and other platforms to get more insights about uh, the customers or the users. Mm. Do you ever get to use this kind of data in your work? I don't think in the sense that you're thinking because there's usually this disconnect where you the marketing department is something else. Mm -hmm. They're marketing. They're not mm -hmm. working with usability and making it user friendly. They're like the salespeople who are the evil people who are trying to convince <laughs> someone to buy even though they may not want to. Mm. So we, there's so again we're working in silos. Yes. And we're not paying attention to what everyone else is doing in the organization. And that's so mm. weird because mm. how people use other services, mm. digital services should affect your work because like Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I use a lot of data in the work I use mm. um, to understand behavior on, on mm. the, the sites I work with. Um, but like I say, I, I, I don't work with sites where they have the that, that clear. Um, it's not a consumer aspect to most of the ones I work with just now. Um, right. I think. Yeah. So, exactly. so it's me. So yeah. I, I think. I think some of the ones I work mm. with, I'm the one generating the insights mm. and highlighting mm. that. Well, maybe you want to look more into mm. into that because mm. they're coming from there or, do, or they're mm. doing this. Mm. Or I can see that this is happening, mm. um, which which for me feels more normal when it is the these these non mm. um, sales based mm. things I work with. That's a good point because we are the ones going out there and talking to the people who have the touch points with the companies, mm. and we're figuring out. Where do they, what do they know? What are their preconceptions? So how do we use that information about? So we are basically doing some of the marketing work, I guess. Exactly. Suppose. Uh, but that's because we're working with specific digital products. Yeah. Same when mm. I work with enterprise products. Yeah. I go out and meet the customers mm. who use the enterprise mm. products. Mm. And uh, yeah, and a lot, I do a lot of mm. um, helping them understand how the product can be used, which mm. is effectively mm. part of a customer relationship, mm. yeah. which would maybe fall under sales or marketing, but. The, the but that's interesting because I've seen a trend. Who is your um, who is your clients in the companies? Is it the IT person or is it product? I, I've or? I've almost always worked with communication departments. Oh, you do. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Um, cool. Going back over the years, it's rare that I'm working through IT departments. Mm -hmm. um, I think that I don't know if that's that normal. Was the case in back in, in the nineties, you worked through IT because that's mm -hmm. where the web lived. Mm. But then the communications people realize, well, hey, we're, we're communicating with people here, so it's our ownership here. That's cool. But uh, I don't even know who I'm working with right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. But the thing is, I think, so we're working with the same people, Yeah. but still they're not mm. using mm. us, like combining our work. That's really interesting. But one thing I've seen, like um, for marketing departments, I've seen marketing departments hiring the IT uh, persons to become the market marketer today. Oh, okay, really? Yeah, like in a lot of big mm. companies, mm. Uh, just because they need more like other kind of um, yeah um, competence or yeah. skills. Yeah. So they so they see the so the driving process, the driving knowledge in the recruitment is their technical ability with 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 these different platforms of things that we're, we're working with yeah. rather than their marketing ability. Yes, exactly. 
I think because I think that's what's missing today. Uh, and uh, what I think is missing today is like the systematical thinking. And mm. I think that's more yeah. uh, easy to find in the IT area than in marketing because marketing, mm. of course, think you think about psychology and uh, that's kind of skills. But mm. combining these two, I think can be really powerful. And isn't it the language that is preventing us from doing just that? Because that's why I asked, do you call it a journey map? And mm -hmm. you don't, but we always call it a journey map or something to that end. Mm -hmm. And But we're doing the same things. We want the same things. Mm. But for some reason, we're trying to protect our own area of work, which, of course, is detrimental to the whole experience in the end. Mm -hmm. We're just really bad at talking to each other, <laughs> which is weird. <laughs> Especially, I find that more and more in the UX industry that we're using um, UX itself that word is a barrier to understanding because mm -hmm. we don't talk about what value we provide. Mm. Clients just want UX and clients learn the words. So they ask for the journey map, whether or not they really need it. They need something that is the goal or the solution for a person out there. Mm -hmm. They don't need a journey map. That's my tool if I choose it. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Mm. I think it's the same mm. for you as well. They've learned mm. a phrase mm -hmm. and then they come to you because they hear you talking about that phrase as well. So yeah. yeah. And that's why I think it's so funny because now it's called growth marketing. Mm. Yeah. I, I, I've never really like positioned myself in knowing like a specific topic expects, uh, except social media yeah. because that was really easy to like yeah. get on board with. But the, the clients like whatever they want to call it. <laughs> yeah. Mm. yeah. That's a good point. Mm -hmm. yeah. It is, yeah. No, uh, thinking about it, that's often how it works for me. That may, I'll get questions about like SEO um, or or, um, or analytics, and then when you start working with it, yeah. I mean, you, you actually you answer the same thing. It's still user experience. It's still kind of making sure things yeah. happen like they should be happening, um, no matter how they framed it on the way in. Mm -hmm. How do we solve this though? Because I mean, this this is what happens when with some of my clients. Uh, the managers come and ask me, so how do we get more people like you, Pat? And they ask me, well, you're UX, right? So if we want more people like you, we ask for UXers. Well, not really, because when you ask for UX, you can get anything. So that's what, so I hear people asking for SARA because people know that they get quality when they ask for you. They don't ask for specific competence. Uh, how, do we, how do we describe what we're doing? That is my issue. Yeah. You throw the hard question at her. Oh. Yes. But you're so succeeding. Let's you're let's succeeding because you're working with all these clients who actually don't have a lot of IT skills. But I feel that you're actually managing to help them understand that you're providing value without using any of the complex words. Yes. Mm. I, I don't know what kind of question that was, but it, wasn't, it, was, <laughs> it, was, <laughs> it was affirmation of your coolness. Yes. So thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I think like I think uh, a lot of things is changing right mm -hmm. now. I'm li really looking forward to 2020 because mm -hmm. I, marketers need mm -hmm. to rethink what mm -hmm. they are doing uh, in so many ways, mm -hmm. uh, and especially seeing this change more and more, going to look at different kind of skills in the marketing department. Mm -hmm. um, so I think um, you will see like it's about the customers. Cliche, but yeah. So what do they need to change then? You said you're looking forward to next year. Mm. What's going to happen? They are still like, now, now we were um, 
so it's December, right? Mm. Everyone is looking to plan their marketing budgets. That's yeah. that's my main work right now. Yeah. And like traditional marketing budgets have been looking like, so this is the channel we've been investing in TV and this much in digital. But I think we're seeing a change now, it, like the marketing plans are like developing and being more ad hoc and based on insights and learning and not like buying this much for awareness and this much for performance as it's called. So, and looking at other kinds of touch points and design and that kind of stuff. So I think uh, that's what's happening. I think when, when they're doing marketing budgets then, do, do they budget for um, actual changes to the digital, like if it's a digital product or digital web, no, a, a website, sorry. Um, do they budget for change to that or does that budget usually end up somewhere else that's somewhere else it's only buying media that we're talking about huh. for the marketing budgets right. that's Isn't really that and it's really weird messed up? <laughs> yeah that's mm. also messed up because as, as you talk it's the same uh, same people that we're working mm. with but one thing is production and that's a separate kind of project mm. and then they are doing this and they are like treating it differently mm. Yeah, because I mean, if you if you're coming with insights about oh, how a certain um, you know, customer flow, or whatever, is working or not working, and how people react or, be, or feel when they come to a certain point, and you your insight says that well, we need to change like, this landing page or or that kind of um, checkout part of the checkout, but you you don't have any control over the, the no, budget. Exactly. I mean, that must be really frustrating. And it's, you haven't really got the controls over the like to get input in that no but that's me in my work of course because i work most like uh, everything outside the services that they, mm. they are using but you you can get input of course but that's another team working with that so silos again silos yeah i know i know that of the years we mm. complain a lot about um yeah, sales and marketing mm. that you know from a from a design perspective that you have that situation where um marketing sales have sold something that doesn't exist or they've mm. they've sold it in a way which it wasn't meant to be used or wasn't meant to be done and the, the frustration on our side is i mean oh why have you said that mm. so now suddenly you have to panic design or panic create a solution because it's already been promised to x number of companies or x number of thousand customers yeah so, so you have the same frustration but the other way around yeah maybe. but uh, marketers yeah. also have the frustration when the product team comes up with marketing that should be included within the like marketing pro process as mm -hmm. well uh, because i think at, from your side you s get the frustration this is what we need to sell right now mm -hmm. this is what we need to sell for the product so mm -hmm. uh, and it's a totally different tonality and that kind mm -hmm. of stuff so i've I'm, I'm been wanting to ask you uh, for some time because you're a person who really lives your brand mm -hmm. You are on social media and you are where I see most of you is Instagram stories and you're posting a lot of things. You obviously enjoy it, but are there points at which you think, oh, my God, do I have to keep doing this? Yes, <laughs> every day. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and right now, I think I've been doing this uh, like, mm. first of all, we had something in Sweden called blog.se. It was mm. like a micro blogging. It was a blog platform. Yeah. Uh, that's where I, where I started. Mm. From that going on to Twitter mm -hmm. and from Twitter going on to Instagram stories. So I've been doing this for many years, so mm. it comes really natural to do this. But now I like there's a new like following, like people I don't know and the people that th they know. It's like outside, mm. so it's weird having really strangers 
looking at your posts and I think do I really need to do this because now I I want to quit but I think like my main <laughs> my main driving force is for people to be more authentic and I think my stories maybe can help people be more authentic and mm. think about their lives and like the work that they do mm. and mm. I think that's I can give up that other kind of stuff I like that yeah I like that too yeah. noble yeah <laughs> thank you so much for joining us Sara thank you that was really interesting to to hear from Sara about how growth marketing is a new term mm. and that it has its roots in growth hacking exactly which in its, its in turn was um, connected to conversion optimization which um, we like to talk down on sometimes because we think it's not perhaps taking into account the whole experience exactly we i mean we mentioned the show about how a number of years ago we were we were consuming a lot of content around um conversion optimization and um and some of the psychological tricks you use to increase mm -hmm. conversions and um how you test maybe testing and all these kind of stuff and and i know that we felt that the industry has moved on a step at least the, the ux some of the ux aspects of our industry have moved on to to maybe not all being about conversion because mm. um, it isn't all about conversion exactly um, which um which which is wonderful to hear mm. sarah coming more more from the the marketing side mm. um is is indicating the same kind of thing mm. from that silo that right but also interesting yeah it's interesting that story but also how Sarah herself really isn't in control of the labels of things she just does what she's always been doing essentially uh, and other people can call her whatever they want is mm. what she's saying mm. <laughs> as long as she gets to do her job well yeah which is exactly what we've been talking yeah. about and we, we, <clears throat> we constantly come across the silos and I love the example of of the journey mapping and, and the communication flows mm doing very similar jobs yeah and then she I mean she's she uses for stereotypes mm. for personas um, we, we're doing very similar works it's just slightly different labels that you, you're putting on this thing and and different and different customers as Sarah points out she works mm. with marketers mm. but and it's so funny when she points out because we've known her for so long and she also basically says I know people like you are in there somewhere but I never get to talk to you no and it's weird that we actually have these silos when you and I especially talk about want wanting to break down silos. And I feel very self-confident about why haven't I considered this enough? It's like I've, I'm forgetting this part. And she really does say, I'm the person who brings the people to the sites that you are designing. <laughs> yeah. And, and just that disconnection there as well between um, you know, marketing budgets and... and budgets to 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 make changes to the digital things so 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 Sora's helping people with the, the market budgets who are traditionally about buying media mm. helping them do a better job with pushing the right people to yeah. the right place in the right state of mind with the right understanding mm. we are trying to do the best to understand maybe a holistic picture of how users feel how they're behaving whether you know mm. the, whether, how the journeys go through our, our solutions and make it better more mm. suitable more more um um win more winning concept for for both the organizations and the people themselves um but we're doing that in a separate with a separate pot of money mm. and yes you know, it's, it's, it's sometimes it's not even just a separate pot of money it's a separate pot of research 
So we're, we're not just siloing budgets here. Mm. We're, we're, we're still siloing um, the, the research. Yeah, that's so good. Because there's so much potential here then for actually doing more research because there's actually several budgets that want to do research. So if we work together, we could do a better job of understanding people throughout the, the whole journey. Mm. Oh, that's actually frustrating. Why don't we work more together? Oh, now I want to start back because I want to ask you, like, how many times do you, do, do, I wonder that um, there's a, um, they produce um, a communication mm. flow and then somewhere else in an organization, mm. they've actually produced a journey map. Mm. That, exactly. that must happen. Yes. Like you've got the two, oh, yeah. two artifacts. Yes. That's right. And I just want to, I want to put them together mm. and kind of, you know, mm. I want to map the, the overlaps. <laughs> yeah. And I do like what she says as well, that you actually uh, summarized as to grow, you're narrowing. Is that the, the reason you're narrowing is because you're actually understanding uh, people better, mm. which means you can communicate in their language better, which appeals more to them, that you're more aware of who you're actually targeting. Yeah. Exactly, then you're, going, you're, you're targeting, you're going narrow. Mm. Um, not excluding the sense that sometimes we talk about exclusion as in you know, stopping people from using no. your services, but. Deciding but who you're talking to. Yeah, really. but more kind of, yeah, narrowing mm. is probably a good mm. phrase uh, to narrow your audience to be more mm. understanding mm. and to be more successful mm. with the people you're actually talking to, building a relationship yep. with, instead of trying to be friends with everyone. Exactly. And not doing a very good job of it. And that's what she actually said was the toughest part for her clients to actually understand that they need to be more personal and, and create relationships mm. with these people. Mm. Which I think, and I, I can actually feel that that is the case sometimes in UX as well. What you struggle with often is that to get the buy-in to do the actual research, to go out and meet people, sometimes it feels like people are afraid or leadership is afraid to learn too much. Yeah, it's, it's a, well, mm. it's a leap of faith. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's connected to discussions we've had about like A-B testing and so on where, or other kind of tools where we, um, it, some things are really easy. They seem really easy to do. Mm. And it's, it's really easy to do like, more traditional marketing, maybe where you you just run various campaigns yeah. across you know to everyone. You know, mm. it's, it's very easy to do lots of these mm. quick things. Doing that kind of um, narrowing, that research, the narrowing, the understanding, the building a a, 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 a more quality relationship with mm. potential customers mm. or users. That that is a little bit scary, maybe. It's scary. It uh, takes a little bit more effort, but the return of that investment is so much greater. Yeah. And, and as as we're seeing, as Sarah was saying, as we're seeing that the 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 where, where there's more success, the most success now and the most growth now is when you build quality. I mean, Sarah, Sarah herself said that people it's even becoming possibly brand damaging mm. to run adverts. Right, that's really interesting. I mean, just, I mean, if you just turn your mind back, not too long ago, yeah. the whole concept that an advert mm. might actually achieve mm. the complete mm. opposite of what it was designed to do. <laughs> It's fantastic. It's fantastic. And of course, we have to end on how she ended as well, that this uh, whole aspect of uh, she, she does post so much in social media. And her explanation for that about being authentic and showing her true self and being transparent, I appreciate that. It's actually, I mean, I couldn't do it. I think I've tried it at some points in my life, but it's just, it's, it's a lot of effort. Mm. 
I mean, it, mm. it's Sarah self jokes mm. about her her posting social media being like a docu soap. Yeah, and um, <laughs> and she's she's completely right with that understanding of what it is. And and sometimes I mm. I, I, I feel like I've missed an episode. <laughs> you, it'd be something that you see Sarah post, and I think, what does that? I don't hold on. There's something missing uh. here. But no, because she does post mm. a lot. Mm. But that but the whole thing that she said about a mm, noble a cause is kind mm. of making us all more authentic. Yeah, and that is that is really warming it is actually mm. and uh, it, it's nice that she's so self self-aware about it yeah and and nice that um that that attitude is something she's trying to apply um, and succeeding to apply to organizations yeah. not just individuals exactly that i really like some recommended listening after this uh you remembered episode 39 where we chat to jesper Ostrom, also from sweden uh, about the 1990 model and uh, engagement. Yeah, and I, when I was doing some little digging for recommended reading, I actually noticed that back in episode two, no, I haven't listened to episode two, because this is a long... Episode two. Episode two. <laughs> so we're talking about you know, nine years ago now. And in part two of episode two, because we didn't, in the first few episodes, oh, we did three parts. They were so anyway, complicated. moving on. We, we actually talked about building customer relationships through marketing. Hmm. It'd be really interesting to listen back and see whether we said anything interesting. It really would. Oh, I haven't time listened to those time. episodes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks very much for listening. Uh, always a pleasure. And a little reminder, you can contribute to funding UX Podcast by visiting uxpodcast.com slash support. Remember to keep moving. See you on the other side. laughing a little bit i'm always well, laughing a bit you were sniggering before you even start the joke <laughs> what do you call a man who can't stand up i don't know Pe. what do you call a man who can't stand up neil oh